Vigorous Steve here. Join me as we analyze the medical insert of Bayer Remabolin, go through all the clinical trials and human scientific evidence performed on methanolone acetate and inotate to figure out what the best dose of Primabolin actually is. <laughs> Spoiler alert, it's anywhere between 25 milligrams per day up to 1200 milligrams per week. So let's get started with a medical insert. A huge big shout out and thank you to Ali and Alpar who helped me translate the Bayarima Bolin insert back in 2021 from Turkish to English. They sent me the translation by email a long, a long, long time ago. So my sincere apologies that I've been sitting on this translation for such a long time, but I haven't really found a proper video to put the translation in. You can find the link to my Dropbox account where the translation can be downloaded. Again, down below in the description section. Let it scroll a little bit longer so you can get an indication of how big the medical insert of Bayarimabolin actually is. At certain parts, the medical insert is a little bit hard to understand. So I summarized all of the instructions revolving around particular medical treatments involving methanolone enethate in an easy to understand list, which is on the screen right now. So let's go over the treatments. In case of sarcopenia and muscle wasting diseases, methanolone enethate is prescribed in the following sense. 200 milligrams intramuscular as a starting dose, then 100 milligrams intramuscularly weekly for two to four weeks in duration, or 100 milligrams intramuscularly weekly for three to four weeks. And these treatments can be halted between two to four weeks if required and then restarted. And in cases of weight gain in underweight women, the starting dose is 200 milligrams intramuscularly, followed by 50 milligrams intramuscularly every two to three weeks. So this is a significantly lower dose at let's say 17 milligrams to 25 milligrams weekly. And these treatments can be halted for two to four weeks if required and then restarted. In the cases of advanced breast or genitalia cancer in women, there's 100 milligrams methanolone inotate intramuscularly every one to two weeks, or 200 milligrams intramuscularly every two to three weeks. In weight gain in children aged 15 to 18 uh, years old or over 50 kilograms of body weight, 50 milligrams intramuscularly every two weeks, but in youth who have not finished puberty yet, so that's before the age of 15 or 16, after a four week treatment, the treatment is halted for four to six weeks. And I was also able to find the instructions for medical treatments revolving around methanolone acetate, better known as Bayer Remobolin S, which is, I think, only available in Japan and being used in particular medical settings revolving around the treatment of anemia due to bone marrow failure, in which the dose of methanolone acetate is between one milligram to 1.5 milligrams orally per one pound of body weight. So if you want to do some extrapolation, you get a very similar dosages as the oxymethylone dosages, which are prescribed in cases of anemia as well. Unfortunately, I was never able to find the medical insert of Bayerimobolin S in Japanese, stemming from Japan, obviously. So if you happen to live in Japan and you speak Japanese and you can find the Bayerimobolin S medical inserts, translate it for me, send it to me by email, and I'll link it down below so that everybody can read what that medical insert contains exactly, right? I would love to read it myself. To summarize these treatments, a starting dose of 200 milligrams methanolone enethate intramuscularly followed by either between 17 milligrams up to 100 milligrams methanolone enethate intramuscularly for a maximum treatment duration of nine weeks in total. And with methanolone acetate treatments, if you're a 200 pound bodybuilder somehow suffering from anemia, that dose might be 200 milligrams to 300 milligrams methanolone acetate daily. 
And before you contact your local prescribing physician, don't go out of your way to give yourself stomach ulcers or hemorrhoids or severe nosebleed to go anemic and get this much methanolin acetate prescribed. I'm sure at these dosages, there are some deleterious effects, but we'll get into the scientific literature on the human studies shortly and while we all suffer from bigorexia and weight gain is in order especially if you're a bodybuilder a starting dose of 200 milligrams primabolin per week does sound appealing if you're already following an hrt plus protocol of let's say 250 milligrams testosterone intake per week then you almost double your weekly intake of anabolic androgenic steroids but in the medical insert, it says that you need to drop the dosage down to 25 milligrams up to at maximum 100 milligrams prima bone weekly. Now, personally, I don't get out of bed for anything less than 100 milligrams prima bone per week. And that would only be on a true testosterone replacement therapy base, right? 150 tests and 100 primo. That's a pretty good HRT plus protocol. But if you're interested in bodybuilding, then I hate to break it to you you might have to take a little bit more than 200 milligrams primobolin per week, even if your testosterone dose is pretty freaking high. But before we start looking for scientific evidence as a justification to megadose primobolin, let's have a look at all of the evidence-based unique characteristics of methanolin acetate and enethate to see what we're getting ourselves into. And I hate to do this to you guys, and I'm honestly a little bit upset myself. It appears that a lot of the interesting studies performed on methanolin acetate or enethate are either in German or Japanese language, haven't been translated into English. And in many cases, the full publications are not available on PubMed, Science Direct, Google Scholar, or anywhere else. So maybe all those studies that Sharing AG Germany performed on methanol and anethate or acetate, um, maybe they're somewhere in the vault of Bayer AG Germany after they acquired Sharing AG a couple of years ago. So maybe uh, those publications can be found, but if you happen to work in Bayer and you have a secret multi-pass <laughs> allowing you to get into the archives, again, uh, leak those studies somewhere online because I would love to read them. I'm sure I can find somebody who can translate those German studies into English. But for now, if you go down the timeline and you end up in the 60s, 70s and 80s, a lot of German studies and even a lot of Japanese studies only available as a title, not available as a full publication and certainly not translated. So I um, did my fair share of reviewing all the available scientific literature of methanolin enethate and acetate available in English. As always, full citations down below, evidence-based with citations, unlike most people in the fitness industry who just quote studies but can't seem to remember them, unfortunately. Um, so let's go over the unique characteristics of methanolone. Increases red blood cell production and raises hematocrit in aplastic and refractory anemic patients, increases white blood cell production during instances of immunodeficiency that could be HIV positive or AIDS, uh, Felty syndrome and aplastic anemia. Methanol enantate metabolites offer immunomodulatory activity against reactive oxygen species production in the bloodstream, inhibit tumor necrosis factor alpha production and offer anti-inflammatory effects. Again, this is from an in vitro study. And methanolone increases bone mineralization and reduces fracture risk. In postmenopausal women and patients suffering from osteoporosis, methanolone increases contractile force and type 1 to type 2 muscle fiber ratio, again stemming from an animal model. It increases mechanical growth factor, messenger RNA expression in repetitive stretching. Again, that's an animal model. It's linked down below. It's a very interesting read, but for the sake of respecting everybody's time, we're not going to analyze it. It's still an interesting read, though. Again, follow the citations down below. 
Methylone lowers thyroid binding globulin levels, which is the case for many anabolic androgenic steroids, actually. Methanolone acetate metabolites inhibit aromatized enzyme activity in human placental cells, stemming from an in vitro study. The metabolites are on the screen, and these two metabolites actually inhibit the aromatized enzyme in human placental cells to a greater degree compared to exemestane aromacin, which is a suicide inhibitor. This is a very recent study, which we'll go into, and it appears that turmeric rhizomes treated with fertilizer produce methanolone. This is from a plant model. But don't start taking your curcumin C3 complex in an attempt to get prima bona-like gains. Unfortunately, this over-the-counter supplement has no anabolic potential. If anything, curcumin is known to lower IGF-1 levels somewhat. And if you're not taking actual prima bolin to increase mechanical growth factor to offset the reduction of IGF-1 potentially from a curcumin a supplement, then you might be at a net loss, right? This is a biotransformation of turmeric adding a fertilizer resulting somehow, some way in methanolone, um, which if to be extracted, could yield some anabolic potential. And on the subject of biotransformation, me and Derek reported that primobolin offered some aromatized enzyme inhibiting activity about three or four years ago, if I remember correctly. So I'm happy to see that this is now somewhat confirmed in a scientific study, albeit not entirely. So let's review this study performed by Karim et al. published on February 2024, titled Biotransformation of Methanolone Acetate and Epiandrosterone by Fungi and Evaluation of Resulting Metabolites for Aromatized Inhibition. In this study, they used Traumatus tercite mushrooms to biotransform methanolone acetate into four metabolites, two of which were shown to have aromatized inhibiting effects to a higher degree compared to exemestane. Unfortunately, the full publication isn't available on Science Hub yet, but the abstract gives us enough details to start digging. Again, I asked around. Kurt Havens was very forthcoming to sharing his time, but he wasn't able to find the full publication either. So we have uh, several metabolites that are now known to inhibit the aromatized enzymes in human placental cells. However, also be the first one to say that there's no clear scientific evidence that these newly discovered metabolites, again, produced by fungi, are also produced within the human body following a methanolone acetate or methanolone enethate administration through the intramuscular route or methanolone acetate when it's taken orally. I reviewed all, literally all of the scientific literature revolving around doping cases for methanolone acetate and enetate. And there's apparently 36 theoretical metabolites uh, present for methanolone based on uh, fancy calculations from computer programs. And it appears that I was able to find all of them by name in the literature examining the detection times for various methanolone acetate and methanolone enetate metabolites for the sake of drug testing in athletes. I'll put them on the screen right now. Um, none of these are able to be named by name because they have very long chemical names. And also keep in mind, please, all these chemical names have synonyms. So even though I went through all of these names to find out if they potentiate some sort of aromatized enzyme inhibiting effect, I was not able to find anything um, because maybe the scientific literature use, uses an alternative synonym if that's even being investigated, the aromatized enzyme inhibition effects of a particular compound, right? If the naming convention doesn't really um, overlap, 
then you can't really find this scientific publications, unfortunately. So I, I did my fair share. I spent a couple of days on this, but I could not find any substantial scientific evidence that these two metabolites produced by fungi are being produced within the human body or if the other metabolites that are being produced within the human body have any potential for aromatase inhibiting effect because it appears that it simply hasn't been investigated yet. So for now, I will still hold firm that primabolin can lower serum estradiol levels by inhibiting the aromatase enzyme and preventing the conversion of testosterone into estradiol. We're slowly making headway with the scientific evidence, but maybe a decade from now, um, you guys will say that me and Derek were ahead of our time because it's finally been proven. And on the subject of detection times, I'm not going to leave you guys hanging, don't worry. Um, let's briefly go over that because I was able to find in the medical literature what the detection times of methanol anthate and acetate actually are. It appears that following a single, again, this is very important to understand, a single administration of 150 milligrams methanol anthate intramuscularly, the, the metabolites are detectable for up to 40 days. And after a 50 milligrams methanol acetate oral administration, again, one administration over the entire duration of the study, the methanolone acetate metabolites are detectable for up to 13 days. And it's the same case for 25 milligrams methanolone acetate orally and 10 milligrams methanolone acetate orally is only detectable for five days, right? Based on the long lasting metabolites that they were able to investigate. But let's be honest here, nobody out there takes a single administration of 150 milligrams methanolone anthate or 50 milligrams methanolone acetate. We take these administrations every day for weeks, if not months, maybe even half a year, right? It's not unheard of of men injecting 150 milligrams methanolone anthate primo per day, ending up at 1000 milligrams primo per week. So what are the exact detection times based on that? Well, in the scientific literature, we can't find that, but we have reported detection times of methanol anethate being up to five months and a reported detection time of methanol acetate through oral administration of five weeks. Now, personally, when I was coaching athletes for drug-tested shows, we would kind of follow these guidelines, right? Assuming that their kidney function was 100% intact, but assuming the detection times are this long at higher dosages that we generally use within the fitness community, um, and then you might have to switch compounds at a certain period of time because stopping the Primo five months ahead of time for you to test, um, you know, quote-unquote, natural uh, you might have to use something else in the meantime because the muscle mass won't be sustained for that long right food for thought oh and before you ask let me stop this idea dead in its track right here and now there's absolutely zero reason to make the switch from anethate to acetate at five months before the expected drug test and then drop the acetate five weeks before the expected drug test because Oxantolone will yield much better results than methanolone acetate at a comparable dose, and oxantolone has a much shorter detection time. So don't even try, don't even bother, please. Okay, let's have a look at the dosages investigated in human studies and the clinical trials to figure out which dosage or dosage ranges are somewhat safe and offer minimal and tolerable side effects. Again, this is discounting all the potential studies which might be available in German or Japanese because I simply can't find the translations anywhere or they're simply not fully published. And again, I'm begging you guys, if you happen to know anybody that works at Bayer AG Germany that has access to the hidden vault full with human studies performed on Prima Bolin from back in the day, let me know. I can pay in beer and bratwurst. 
I'll bring it over in later Hosen if I have to. Dankeschön. Methanol has been studied in following human conditions and diseases, aplastic or refractory anemia, stroke rehabilitation in hemoplegic patients, that's paralysis on one side of the body, rheumatoid arthritis, inoperable or disseminated breast cancer, postmenopausal women with osteoporosis, liver cirrhosis. And these conditions are stemming from a single study where they assessed the effects of primobolin regarding liver stress in people suffering from chronic illness, but they don't have any pre-existing issues with their liver. So this was in the context of recovery from cerebrovascular accidents, post-traumatic central nervous system damage, spinal muscular atrophy, Friedrich's ataxia, amyotropic lateral sclerosis, nephrotic syndrome, gout, and osteoarthritis. So as you might have noticed, based on the unique characteristics and now the human conditions in which methylone has been investigated, methylone acetate or enetate has never, or at least the studies that I was able to find, right, discounting from the German and uh, Japanese studies, it appears that primobolin has never been investigated in healthy individuals only people who are sick with some kind of disease. And obviously people who are sick might experience heightened side effects compared to healthy individuals, even though methylone acetate or enetate might ultimately improve their overall quality of life and even keep them alive in particular medical conditions. Now let's go over the aplastic and refractory anemia uh, studies to kind of um, determine what the doses were investigated in that context again but to respect your time uh, we're only going to review the studies which tracked health parameters beyond the expected improvements in complete blood counts like hemoglobin red blood cells platelets and white blood cells because uh, many of the anemia studies just looked if uh, the patients are kept alive to kind of determine if the methanolone treatment was efficacious in that sense. So let's go over these studies briefly. Here's a study um, which investigated 28 patients with aplastic anemia or other refractory anemia, received a one milligram to two milligrams oral methanolone acetate for one to 17 months. In duration, dosages investigated ranged from 50 milligrams to 200 milligrams daily or 100 milligrams methylone enetate intramuscularly two times monthly for up to 20 months. 12 patients, 43% observed normal complete blood count parameters during the treatments and four other patients saw an improvement of their anemic states. Observed side effects during methylone treatment were cholestatic jaundice, liver function returned to normal after treatment was discontinued, again, what do you expect on 200 milligrams methylone acetates Per day, right? A cholestatic jaundice might occur, but the beneficial effects regarding complete blood counts also disappeared in one patient. The other side effects were virilization, hoarsening of the voice, menstrual disturbances, and acne in the female patients. All these side effects were not severe enough to discontinue treatment. So now we already have an answer from our female audience at the one to two percent that actually watches this channel. Don't take 50 to 200 milligrams methylene acetate per day because it can cause issues with your liver and virilizing side effects. And that is kind of confirmed in this following study. The study shows that the patients suffering from aplastic anemia, the female patients experienced virilization and some patients experienced severe muscle cramps during treatments. The issues disappeared by lowering the dose from three milligrams per kilogram of body weight daily to one to two milligrams per kilogram of body weight daily. So uh, lowering the dose might reduce the virilizing side effects. But if you're a 50 kilogram girl and you're taking the one milligram to two milligram uh, per kilogram of body weight dose, 
that's still 50 milligrams methanol acetate, which I think is still way too high. And that's again further confirmed in this study where they investigated the effects of 50 to 300 milligrams methanol acetate orally daily, often for months to years in duration. Treatment duration was dependent on the furthering of lifespan. All but one patient eventually died from anemia-related complications. During treatment, female patients commonly reported virilization and signs of liver toxicity was reported in 21% of the patients. So now already three studies showed that the virilization occurs with methanolone acetate and liver toxicity occurs at this dose of 50 milligrams or higher. Why are the women out there taking 50 milligrams methanolone acetate? What? Stop doing that, please. That's only three studies and we have many more to go. So to kind of answer the question, if a methanolone acetate up to 25 milligrams per day is safe for females, there's no scientific evidence because I don't think that it has been investigated at that low of a dosage. From what I was able to piece together, it's 50 milligrams upwards, often 100 milligrams, 200 milligrams, even 300 milligrams daily. So we can't really pull from the scientific evidence. What I can tell you from anecdotal experience, having coached many a women, which I would always favor to use oxandrolone instead of methanolone acetate, is that the ones that came to me running methanolone acetate at 25 milligrams daily all had virilization. So I would recommend all women out there not to touch methanolone acetate um, and, and use oxandrolone instead, which has been extensively studied. And I already made a deep dive about it. I'll link it at the end of this one. Okay, let's move over to the stroke rehabilitation and hemiplegic patients study. Again, that's paralysis on one side of the body. 15 hemiplegic stroke elderly patients uh, during subacute rehabilitation received 100 milligrams methylene enothate weekly for six weeks in duration. The observed negative effects were increased fasting blood glucose levels, hyperproteinemia, increased cholinesterase levels, and mild liver dysfunction. None of these events were serious enough to stop the treatment. Methanol enothate increased cross-sectional area of the thigh muscle between 13.4% to 14.5% on the affected site. This is a site where they um, were, of course, using rehabilitation to increase uh, motor function and overall muscle size. But this is on the site where they experienced paralysis after six weeks of rehabilitation. So even if your motor function and your skeletal muscle function is not that great, 100 milligrams methylene enothate weekly for six weeks in duration can actually increase a thigh muscle size. So this comes very, very close to what we would do in the fitness industry. Obviously, we are not paralyzed on one side of the body. So luckily we can train hard and maximize that methylene Enithate. And in this study where they investigated the effects of methanolone regarding liver toxicity in patients with chronic illnesses, they took 23 adult patients with chronic illness, excluding liver disease. They received either 100 milligrams methanolone enithate intramuscularly weekly or 25 milligrams methanolone acetate intramuscularly three times weekly, post-injection pain in a bottle, I will tell you that, or 20 milligrams methanolone acetate orally three times weekly for six weeks in duration. So this dosage of methanolone acetate is far lower than the dosages investigated in the aplastic or refractory anemia studies. And even though that might sound promising because the researchers noted that administration of twice the usual therapeutic methanolone dose, um, again, it, it might be much higher methanolone acetate for aplastic anemia, but whatever, uh, did not significantly alter blood work parameters, particularly kidney or liver markers. So they did not investigate if any virilization occurred. And if you scroll down in this study, 
you can see that it's partially funded by sharing, squip and organon, so take it all with a grain of salt. They have financial incentive to not have any terrible negative effects of these medications investigated because they produce these medications. So honestly, regarding safety and efficacy, there's not much we can work with now because all of these patients are uh, somewhat unhealthy and um, they haven't really investigated the dosages that we're after or investigated the blood work parameters and the side effects that we would like to know about. So let's have a look at the high dose primobolin studies performed in inoperable or disseminated breast cancer patients. We'll start with this one from 1975 performed by Nutter et al. Titled Treatment of Disseminated Carcinoma of the Breast by Methylone Enothate. 43 postmenopausal female patients with inoperable or disseminated breast cancer were treated with a specially manufactured 200 milligrams per one milliliter sharing primobolin depot. This is well before sharing AG was acquired by Bayer AG and primobolin was rebranded as Remobolin. So um, there is some scientific evidence for a 200 milligram per one milligram methylone Enethate, albeit that the post-injection pain, the reported post-injection pain might be quite severe. Not mentioned anywhere in this uh, publication, so maybe Shearing was able to do it, but all the underground labs are not. All right, let's have a look at the results. At three times 400 milligrams per two milliliter, Primobolin Depot intramuscularly per week. So that's 1200 milligrams methylone enethate per week total. That's a pretty hefty dose. For up to three months in duration, Increased virilization occurred. Again, this is all female patients. Dosages were lowered to two times 200 milligrams per one milliliter intramuscularly um, primobolin depot per week as clinical anti-cancer effects were already observed at this dose. So it was a dose reduction from 1200 milligrams per week down to 400 milligrams per week. Depending on the rate of cancer remission, treatments lasted up to 15 months in duration. Just keep in mind that not all patients were responsive to this treatment and observed a breast cancer remission or stagnation for that matter. Liver and brain metastases did not respond to primobolin treatment. During the high dose primobolin treatment, patients experienced virilization and increased libido. So that might be a beneficial effect. Leg cramps occurred in about 50% of the patients, similarly to the aplastic anemia patients with a very high dose methylene acetate administration. These symptoms disappeared after a dose reduction or after discontinuation of the treatment. Increased red blood cell production was observed, but there were no changes in liver function during the treatment at higher dosages of methylene enethate. So if we take this data from the single study, and there's more coming, don't worry, if we take the data from the single study and extrapolate that to healthy men who are into health and fitness and bodybuilding or some sort of strength sports where a prima bolin is desired, then um, experienced virilization is obviously an afterthought because we're men. Increased libido, yes please. Leg cramps, we can easily mitigate with taurine and a normal electrolyte intake. Um, and increased red blood cell production, that's usually uh, also something we can manage with um, you know, doing therapeutic blood donations or taking IP6 to inhibit iron absorption or managing our sleep apnea with a sleep study and a CPAP machine, right? All these things I would say we could easily manage. And if there's no change in liver function with injectable methylene enethate, 
then why would you even consider methylene acetate as an oral therapy for anabolism? Now, unfortunately, this study did not investigate changes in serum lipid levels, total cholesterol, LDL, HDL, that was not investigated. Sex hormone levels, neurosteroid levels, that was not investigated regarding if there's a suppressive effect on luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, and if total testosterone, estrogens, DHA sulfate all come down, which I'm sure we can um, you know, say safely say that those levels would come down with this much methylene NSAIDs. And um, right, lipid levels might already be skewed in postmenopausal women because they're basically uh, estrogen deficient. All right, moving over to the next high-dose premobolant study performed by Kennedy et al. published in 1968 titled Effects of Methylene Enethates in Advanced Cancer of the Breast. In this study, they investigated the same dosages of 400 milligrams methylene enethate injected intramuscularly three times weekly, a total dose of 1,200 milligrams over the week. And the reported side effects were edema, anorexia, acne, virilization, increased libido, flushing, and irritation at the injection sites, probably because they use castor oil. And if you inject six milliliter castor oil in virgin muscle, um, then some post-injection pain is to be expected. And not everybody responds favorably to castor oil. So those are all observed side effects, not tangible side effects with MRIs or blood work analysis. Again, unfortunately. And this is the last high-dose human study in existence, basically, from 1981. So that means that all the high-dose premobolin studies have been performed before I was born. <laughs> this is all we have to work with, guys. All right, performed by Garbrecht et al., published on March 27th, 1981, titled Hyperlipoproteinemia During Additional Methylene Administration in the Treatment of Metastasizing Carcinoma of the Breast. This was a German study, which was translated by Alex. Much appreciated. Um, so basically, to summarize this study... 28 postmenopausal women patients with an average age of 55 years old suffering from metastasizing breast cancer received 400 milligrams methylene inethate intramuscularly three times weekly, a total dose of 1,200 milligrams weekly. After 50% of the patients with breast cancer went into remission, so that's at least that sounds good, the dose was lowered to either 200 milligrams to 300 milligrams intramuscularly three times per week. So that's a total dose of either 600 milligrams or 900 milligrams weekly for the remainder of the treatment. The average treatment duration was about 7.7 months. After several weeks of 600 milligrams to 1200 milligrams methylene enethate weekly, serum total cholesterol levels increased from 240 milligrams per deciliter on average to 262 milligrams per deciliter on average, with the highest recorded level ending up at 526 milligrams per deciliter. So these postmenopausal women already had terrible lipid levels with a total cholesterol at the baseline of 120% of what is considered to be healthy, ending up at 130%. So that's an increase of let's say 20% after a methylene NSA treatment up to 1200 milligrams weekly. I would not say that that's a terrible result, even though the highest recorded level was, well, 526 milligrams per deciliter, which is certainly a very high total cholesterol levels. But the researchers also noted that there was no clear correlation between the primabolin dose and a serum total cholesterol levels. After primobolin was discontinued, it appears that total cholesterol levels returned to baseline. And to summarize all of these studies, the low-dose methylene enthate studies and the high-dose methylene acetate and high-dose methylene enthate studies, all things considering, I would say that amongst all patients 
Prima Bolin up to 1200 milligrams weekly is well tolerated from a cosmetic and side effect profile perspective, even though blood work parameters might change, right? We do know that total cholesterol levels increase, red blood cell production and count increases. You might experience virilization if you're a woman, libido might go up, acne might manifest, hypercalcemia might set in, potentially leg cramps or irritation at the injection sites, right? This is all stemming from the scientific literature. But if you consider yourself a man and you're healthy and you use ancillaries, to mitigate some of the investigated side effects, the documented side effects, then I think high-dose primobolin is reasonably safe because we know how to control total cholesterol levels. We know how to control red blood cell counts. And we also know how to keep our liver healthy with various ancillaries, over-the-counter supplements, and dietary practices. And of course, not megadosing methylene acetate up to 300 milligrams daily, that's probably also a good practice to incorporate. And then it appears based on scientific literature that methylene enethate through the injectable routes is liver safe. So if all of these side effects are worth it to you, um, then feel free to proceed into your next uh, methylene enethate or acetate cycle. I'm sure you already have the answer ready for you. It looks like it's worth it to me. Now I'll also be the first one to say that primobolin has not been investigated regarding kidney health or cardiac health or brain health, right? We don't know if methanolone is kidney toxic, cardiac toxic, or neurotoxic because those studies have never been performed. So if you hear somebody out there say that you should run primobolin because it's not kidney toxic, they're full of because it hasn't been investigated, or at least not to my knowledge, discounting for the studies performed in German or Japanese. And if people have access to the studies, let's publish it for the sake of the community so we can all learn. From the research that I've done, there's no clear scientific evidence that primobolin is either kidney safe, cardiac safe, or brain safe, right? So please don't make these assumptions that instead of uh, compound XYZ, we should all run primobolin. If you want to run primobolin, go through the scientific literature that's available and then base your decisions on the published and available results. So based on the scientific evidence, I would say that 100 milligrams methylene enanthate intramuscularly per week is somewhat safe, but the next increment of investigated dosages is 400 milligrams, 600 milligrams, 900 milligrams, or 1200 milligrams weekly. And indeed, dosages, side effects um, do start to occur. Now, again, we can use ancillaries to mitigate these side effects, but it's entirely up to you, your responsibility, that if you do ramp up the dose to 400 or 1200 milligrams primobolin or anything in between, to do your blood work, right? Check your blood cell count, check your total cholesterol levels, check your liver markers, check your kidney markers, do everything you need to do to ensure that your health, a primobolin user, is sustained. I mean, I think if you're a healthy male and you do everything right, based on my own personal blood work results of dosages up to 1,000 milligrams primobolin per week, I would say that you can manage your blood work parameters perfectly if you deploy your ancillaries and over-the-counter supplements um, correctly at the right times, right? Of course, you're not going to start at 1200 milligrams Primo right from the beginning of your cycle. Uh, hopefully you slowly but surely build your dosages up based on response and what your goals are. Uh, I would say that it's reasonably safe and manageable, um, but you do have to deploy the ancillaries to make that work. And after all of this research and all of the experience that I have with Primobolin myself and interpreting blood work results of all of my clients who use Primobolin over the years, I would say that Primobolin should be your first choice 
as a secondary injectable on top of your testosterone base, especially if you consider ramping up the dosages to multiple grams per week, right? I feel that primobolin is the safest injectable compound, although the scientific evidence is lacking, right? Not so much scientific evidence has been performed on methanolone inotate or acetate when you compare that to nandrolone or oxandrolone or oxymetolone for that matter. I'll put my dosage recommendations on the screen. For men, I would say that the sustainable and tolerable dose of methanolone inotate is 100 milligrams to 300 milligrams intramuscularly or subcutaneous weekly. So that's either breaking up the dose to daily or three times per week administrations until blood work parameters become unmanageable. But I think at 300 milligrams primobolin plus, let's say 300 milligrams test per week, um, you might be able to run that for a couple of years in duration. And the deleterious dose might be anywhere between 400 milligrams to 1200 milligrams for a maximum of 26 weeks. When I say deleterious, that's a little bit of an overstatement. Again, the scientific evidence regarding safety and efficacy and overall healthiness is lacking. Um, and I would say 26 weeks is doable, even at the high dose, based on the uh, personal blood work that I've seen for myself and all of the people that I worked with over the years. But if your blood work parameters become unmanageable before the 26-week mark at 400 milligrams per week, um, you're not deploying the ancillaries correctly or primobolin is simply not meant for you. Regarding the women, I would say that the sustainable and tolerable dose of methanolone inotate is zero milligrams weekly. I know this sucks to hear, but I don't think that methanolone uh, inotate or acetate is suitable for women at all. So if you want to go with the deleterious dose of methanolone inotate, I would say 10 milligrams to 70 milligrams sub-Q weekly, either 1.5 milligrams to 10 milligrams sub-Q daily, or 3.3 to 23.3 milligrams sub-Q three times weekly for a maximum of six weeks. Uh, this is a very short period of time. And the reason why I'm saying six weeks in duration is because that it appears that all the cosmetic changes at a very low body fat percentage, let's say eight to 10% body fat, again, depending on the competitive class, um, that's already observed within six weeks. So why run it longer? If you're experiencing um, virilization at the six week mark already, you're not going to look any better beyond the six week mark, but you're going to get increased virilization. So only run it for the period of time that you get the maximum cosmetic effects, but the lowest virilizing effects. And rest assured that even at the six week mark, methylene enethate will virilize you even at 10 milligrams per week, right? It's purely based on observation. Now, regarding methylene acetate, I don't see a reason to run it because it's inferior to oxandrolone. And if you can source methylene acetate, which might be even more expensive on a milligram for milligram basis, you get less milligrams for methylene acetate compared to oxandrolone because it has an ester attached. I think uh, that the bioavailability is also lower. Methylene acetate yields 78.8% net methanolone and 12.2% Acetate, so that means every 25 milligram tablet will only give you 22 milligrams net methanolone. But I would feel that 20 milligrams oxandrolone gives you better results, might be cheaper even, than uh, 25 milligrams methanolone acetate. So, you know, if you want to go with Primobol and just inject it, run your oxandrolone, your anivar alongside of that. I think test Primo, anivar is a killer combination, assuming you're a man, not a woman, you're you're going to be virilized. So I don't see a reason to run methylene acetate. And, and again, to emphasize for all the ladies out there, the scientific evidence regarding methylene acetate at lower dosages is very, very thin, right? At higher dosages, it's been known to cause virilization. 
I've seen women experience virilization at 25 milligrams per day. And since oxandrolone has been extensively studied, and it appears that at least anecdotally that a low dose or moderate dose of oxandrolone for months in duration doesn't cause any virilization. And if it does, it's somewhat manageable or reversible after discontinuing the oxandrolone. So just because your coach says that methylone acetate it's safe up to 25 milligrams per day, it uh, doesn't mean that it is. <laughs> It doesn't mean that it is. So please uh, look into oxandrolone instead. I don't see a reason why men or women would want to run methanolone acetate at all. All right, let's wrap it up here. You can do your blood work over at Merrick Health if you live in the United States. Keep in mind that Primabolin, Bayerimabolin, is only available in the Turkish and maybe the Spain pharmacies. It's not FDA approved within the United States. So if you run Primabolin and you're worried about your blood work increasing red blood cell count, total cholesterol levels, and you want to keep track of your kidney markers and your liver markers, you can still do your blood work over at Merrick Health. But it doesn't mean that the healthcare providers are going to agree with what you're doing. At least you can preemptively manage your blood work results if you have the results ahead of you. And otherwise you can do your blood work here in Thailand at Bria Labs or a blood work anywhere else that you live, right? It's very important for you to do your blood work. Don't procrastinate. Get the data, make the adjustments and stay healthy if you want to run Primabolin or any other kind of performance enhancing drugs. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vigor Steve. Vigor's crew, you guys know what to do. A front double bicep for you guys imagine how this is going to look with a little bit of prima ballon in the picture um not sure when but at one point or another i'm sure i'll add some prima ballon back in thank you guys so much for watching and i'll see you in the next video